All right, and welcome to the Students in That Sound podcast. I'm your host, TJ Lanemeyer. With me, as always, Sean Hogan. Hello. James O'Hara. Hey. All right, so now that we actually get to talk baseball, now that the the business nonsense is done with, uh, we we turned it around pretty quick. So we went from no baseball until at least, what, the 14th of April to... Uh, we're actually going to have spring training starting in a week, and we can actually start the season on the seventh. Who'd have thought? Shocking. <sighs> not so that our deadline was completely arbitrary and not actually a real well, thing. W- now, Who now come on, arbitrary. <laughs> it's, uh, it's exciting it's been time. Fun. Didn't not missing out on too much uh, overall, which is good. <laughs> You know, I think it's just like one week. I don't even think it's a whole week. Is it just like one weekend, basically? Uh, the first, it's first, still like, the first six. two series, I think. First two series, okay. Because it doesn't start till Thursday. So now, now it's cool is that with that, instead of having their typical opening weekend where you have a day game on a Thursday, a day off on Friday, and then Saturday, Sunday, and you're just like, well, this is such a weird false start you know obviously because in case it rains they want to have the big pageantry on friday instead it's great now we just have opening day thursday there's a game on friday there's a game on saturday there's a game on sunday they're all against the mets uh you know if the team was better it would be really really fun but it'll be definitely better than having that that great uh oh and now we're going oh now we're going <laughs> yeah i i definitely understand you know, having the day off in between, but you're right. It is, it is much more of a true start. And uh, now we get to start opening day at home instead of the Mets, which so is always was, better. Yeah. They should not Those have nice things. losers. So we get to watch Jacob deGrom, not get any run support and then watch us get obliterated by Matt Scherzer. I didn't notice that, you know, they had all these big, yeah, the Mets did a lot of their signings before, the break would you know one of the few teams that made you know multiple signings beforehand and so then there was nothing happening and so you're kind of just building up in your head like oh the Mets are going to be really good this year you know they've done so many things and then you like look at their lineup it's like it's it's barely different mm-hmm. so it's you added Starling Marta you lose Conforto uh you keep Lindor but they lost Baez um I think there's yeah, many from yeah, the, uh, yeah, yeah, and Kanha, who, who's who's decent but not anything special. Then you and know, Water Escobar, who's a star. They they did yeah. get old. I, <laughs> that's that that is something they did. They added a bunch of aged talent. So it, it is definitely money. funny. Is that you know uh, the way that that break kind of happened? There were definitely some narratives people were kind of forming in their head with no obvious evidence to go against it because there was nothing happening. <laughs> Besides negotiations, so you're just like, oh man, the Mets have built up a super team, and then you look at it when they come in spring, and it's like, ah, eh, it's it's pretty good, I guess. <laughs> It'll be good uh, enough sadly, for second in the division. Yeah, sadly, not the same thing could be said for the Nats. The Nats look exactly as terrible as you thought. Overbreak. Yeah, you thought they might bring in one of the names that was being thrown around, particularly in the infield where they are. Uh, Baron, I guess, is a polite way to put it. Um, 
and yeah, they've they've done absolutely well, close to nothing. They brought in Nelson Cruz, who they can have hit dingers for three months and then pawn him off trade. the trade deadline. Yeah, and it, it's a little surprising that they didn't get anybody else besides Nelson Cruz that would fit. I mean, they also have Sean Doolittle and, and as a relief pitcher who they're hoping for the same kind of thing with Nelson Cruz is, you know, if he proves himself well for three months, somebody will want to trade for him because everybody always needs relievers. Everybody always needs uh, a bench bat. And especially now that the DH is, is universal, you know, you'll find buyers for both of those. Um, it, it is definitely, I think it's surprising that that's all they did in that kind of one year front. Um, one or two year deals. They could have signed other people too, such uh, as they don't have that many prospects that you're really getting in the way of. And if you look at the lineup, the projected starting lineup, I mean, Carter Kibu might've been in it, but he was battling Michael Franco. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows if he would have won that battle. Now he's definitely not in it. Um, but, you know, Luis Garcia is, is still kind of getting jerked around between, um, Oh, what's his name? Because I'm now I'm thinking the name Anderson Hernandez, and that's obviously Cesar that's, Hernandez. Cesar Hernandez, thank you. Big Anderson guy. is blast from the past. Uh, and Alcides Escobar apparently is, you know, Davies' ride or die at shortstop. So, you know, they, I think the only spot was really outfield where they they might they could have brought in another corner outfielder, and it looks like they're just going to say we're going to go, we're not going to fill that spot so that Lane and Robles can be playing at the same time, but. Uh, maybe they were, and we just didn't hear the rumors, but it would be kind of surprising that we heard absolutely nothing along those lines and they were involved with people. Yeah. And it was weird too, when they had signed uh, Cruz, he said something along the lines of like, well, like the team and I talked and they're going to make some move. Like they're going to do some stuff to like, just wait and see. And yeah, I don't think there's anybody really left. No. <laughs> and then move. one by one, the names went off the board. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, so it I mean, there weren't odd. even many when he was talking about it either. There was barely anybody left. Yeah. So now it does make sense, though, when you think about, uh, you know, a lot of people focus on that in free agency, like, oh, this guy needs to sign with a contender because, you know, so especially guys like Nelson Cruz who are, are only looking at one or two year deals uh, and don't have a ring yet. He's like, all right, you know, you they're going to prioritize, folk, you know, signing with a contender. But if you do that, you know in the off season, you're not necessarily going to guess correctly. And you could end up in the situation. If you sign with a team that looks like a contender, um, say like the Phillies last year, and you're like, right, I'll, I'll jump on the Phillies. And then they're close enough to contention. They're not going to sell anybody off, but they don't actually make the playoffs. That's the worst situation you end up in. Mm-hmm. It actually might be better. If you just sign with a team, you know, will not contend um but is you know potentially a good ballpark for you to show off you know similar to like kyle schwarber did although cruz is a right-handed hitter um so it's a little bit different but you know sign with the team you not know that's not going to contend but you know you can trust the front office to that they're going to be the they're going to make a trade uh you know you're not going to get stuck because they're not going to like whatever deals they hear in july like you're going to get shipped out and be like okay you know what? Great. You know, I'll just be on this bad team for three months, show up. And then July rolls around. We work together and find, you know, only the contenders will really be looking for trade pieces. I can make it a, a way higher chance that I get put on a team that's going to make the playoffs. Cause 
you know, a little over half the season's already done. That's how you don't end up on the 2015 Nets. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of free agent signings outside of Nelson Cruz, uh, the Nats went on the nostalgia wagon, brought us back one, oh, yeah. Sean Doolittle, uh, Gerardo Parra. Uh, who else do we have? San- Anibal Sanchez. Anibal Sanchez. There we the go. Only one of those is a major league deal right now. True. Mm-hmm. And Sean Doolittle has a, a one-year deal for not that much money. And then Parra and Sanchez are both non-roster invitees. I'm really excited, though, because they have Anibal Sanchez, and they also have Aaron Sanchez signed to a minor league deal. Uh, and I'm really hoping they just end up with both of them in the rotation, because I really like uh, two-fifths Sanchez <laughs> rotation. And then you can bring up Adrian Sanchez back, so then you have to have like four letters beginning of everybody's names. That's not oh, yeah. how letters work, but <laughs> two letters at the beginning of everybody's name. Yeah. Well, because you need A-N for Anibal, A-D for Adrian, and... A-A for Aaron. Yeah. A-A for Aaron. Aaron. <laughs> A-A. A-A Sanchez. It's like he's trying to get to the front of the, the white pages. <laughs> yeah, I mean, looking at the, the rotation right now, uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me to have Anibal Sanchez in that lineup, um, particularly with the news that Strasburg is going to uh, continue his normal ramp up to a season, which is approximately six weeks, um, which would put him two yeah. weeks in April, or I guess three weeks in April um, before he's ready. That was something I was definitely sad that interview we did not have any like video or audio of because I really would have loved just exactly how deadpan he would have been like, I don't think this is the right season to be shortening my schedule, (laughs) (laughs) but I don't think anybody gives a shit about what we do this year. Uh, You know, if we miss the playoffs because I missed the first two and a half weeks of the season or three weeks of the season or whatever, then, you know. That would be shocking to everybody. Then his career has come fully, fully full circle. It'll be a, it's a reverse Strasburg shutdown. Exactly. It's just skinny. well. So then we can tell everybody in 2012 when you were like, "Well, why didn't you just manage his innings and not let him pitch as much at the start so he could pitch in the playoffs?" Be like, "This is why <laughs> you would have missed the playoffs. You needed him then." Uh, looking at the rest of the roster. Did Joe Ross get put on the 60-day IL Yeah, recently? Joe Ross is on the 60-day. Yeah, yeah. yeah like he got week. put back on because um, he had some surgery. He, he had, had like bone, bone chips. Straight. Okay, yeah. that's right. In his elbow. Not the best kind of chips. No. no. Takis, great. Bone bone chips, bad. Ooh, takis are your number one? Well, no, I just had Takis for the first time uh, this week, so I'm big into Takis oh, right now. Exciting. <laughs> I don't, do, are Takis technically a chip, though? Are they a corn snack? Are they? Well, oh no, I guess Takis are the chip. I was saying, I was yeah. thinking of, isn't there another one that's like a more like a stick? Oh. So they're kind of they look kind of like sticks, but they're actually just like a chip that's sort of rolled up. Oh, uh, okay, all right. So it's, it's kind of both. Chip. Yeah. yeah, it's not your traditional chip shape. Yeah, tortilla chip snack is how it is defined. Um, and then speaking of other injuries, uh, we kind of alluded to it earlier, Carter Keboom. Um, on the 60-day IL with a flexor tendon issue. Is that correct? Yeah. 
So, uh, not great. Yeah, I saw something the, weird with that. I think like one of the reporters, I don't remember if it was like Chelsea Janes, somebody was like, oh, it's really surprising that how upset he seemed that he wasn't going to be able to start the season. Um, and it's like, yeah, of course he was very upset because they, he knows how many chances he has left. Yeah. Everybody can tell him that, you know, it's like half of one. Yeah. That might it's be like, pushing it. You, you don't, right. You know, you don't want to not start the season and, you know, especially Davey Martinez has shown he's not necessarily going to just make a change to make a change. Uh, you know, we'll see maybe this year he gets pushed on it more by the front office, but we saw it last year that there was lots of times where people were like, well, why don't you play the, put this young person here, or move these people around and you stop letting, uh, let's Escobar continue to play shortstop and Davey already seems ready to just let him play shortstop again this year. Uh, didn't really do it that much last year. So you, you can totally see a scenario where the Nats start the season. Mikel Franco does pretty okay. You know, they're not completely out of it immediately. Carter Keeboom comes back and Davey's like, well, you know, Franco's playing okay. So I'm going to keep him in, even though he's running like a 99 WRC plus. <laughs> it's like, well, he's not good. He's just okay. And you're, kind of fake contending but you know like Keyboom knows where he is what's going on so i can definitely understand you, you don't want to let somebody else get a slight head start on you when you're kind of clawing to to stay here well and they signed you know extremely good player ira adrianza, adrianza. To, a major, to a major league deal as well so now they have even more competition of oh, very highly skilled players <laughs> So it's it's. I I think I was thinking about the way the best way to think of the Nats roster right now is just really if you just skim it if it's like something's in front of you and you just look at it you're, you're turning your head and you kind of see it in the corner of your eyes like oh that's not that bad like I see Juan Soto I see Josh Bell Nelson Cruz is pretty solid you know Lane Thomas was okay Victor Robles has had good years cool cool you know those are some fine guys Steven Strasburg Corbin they'll Aaron Sanchez, John Doolittle, sure. That's that's probably good enough people. Then you like look at it for you think about it for more than three seconds, and it's like oh, this is just terrible. <laughs> yeah. Not great, Bob. Yeah. Uh is Will Harris alive again? Yeah, I think so. he is back as well. It's interesting. I don't think I've heard anything about him since him he and Strasburg both had both had thoracic outlet syndrome uh, and had surgery for that. I think he had his surgery earlier, though, because if I remember correctly, he went out earlier in the season than Strasburg did. Yeah, he only played in eight games last year. So, but um, so I don't know, you know, and obviously he's a relief pitcher, so he doesn't have to get up to. Yeah, I think Strasburg's concern is more getting up to throwing 80-plus pitches than it is necessarily getting up to his feel for his fastball you know, and, and breaking pitches, which I, which is still should be a concern with your thoracic outlet syndrome. Um, because it, it does affect, I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, but it definitely does affect you know, your fingers and your feel for the ball and your grip strength mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of your different muscles. Uh, that's something we saw with Matt Harvey when he had thoracic outlet syndrome and had surgery and then was working out to come back. 
and basically like one of the muscles in his back shoulder had kind of atrophied um from you know because he wasn't able to work that one out while he was recovering from surgery and then when he was trying to come back he was focusing a lot on so, like some of the muscles in his arm to try to build up speed but was completely missing this one there and so uh his when he came back his starting year he was doing well up through like 50 pitches and then was completely fatigued uh because his muscles you know he wasn't the full core wasn't built up again mm-hmm. um so it's it's definitely a lot tougher to come back from your shoulders are already tough and then this is probably one of the toughest shoulder injuries to try to come back from so i wouldn't be surprised if he was also slightly delayed but you can't see at least harris does have the benefit of working out of the bullpen um which can hopefully help him get up to speed a little bit faster. Yeah. And reduce workload is probably helpful with that. I wonder if it was helpful for one or both of them to have someone going through the same thing at the same time. It could like to be, be able to um, check in with each other and yeah, it, it's kind of curious how much they would have because <laughs> they hadn't been teammates for that long. Cause Harris, I think went out twice because yeah he only played 20 games i think the year before yes well and yeah. strasburg barely played in 2020 and uh, he only true. made one or two starts and then went out you know and obviously that was a shortened season anyways so and it was a weird covid season so i don't think there was a lot of kind of socializing getting to know each other I mean, maybe a little bit at spring training but um you know and then 2021 i think harris was in and out before strasburg had even shown up for 2021 <laughs> so uh, but hopefully, you know, they, they'd have at least a little bit of a connection. Um, it might also help in terms of the Nats training staff helping both of them get back. If you have two people uh, working on it, 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 you know, you might be able to spot things on one player. It's easier to spot it and then be like, hey, let's check to see if, you know, this is an also an issue for the other guy. And then maybe it is and you wouldn't have noticed it for them. Uh, you know, so it, it might help in that aspect as well. I mean, the, the other hope for these guys is that there's a lot more awareness recently about thoracic outlet syndrome mm-hmm. uh, and recovery timetables from it uh so you know because there's guys in the past you know classic examples like daniel bard who was this you know hotshot pitcher for the rockies and then was having trouble with his feel and then went and got surgery and then was out of baseball for like six years until he was finally able to come back with the rockies a couple of years ago uh, or like Matt Harvey, who who had a lot of issues with his, you know, and still has issues trying to come back from his surgery after being fairly dominant beforehand. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of the problem with both of those guys was just, you know, not really having a good idea of how to rehab it, you know, how to get them back into their pitching shape uh, and not treating it. Like a lot of other injuries we see in baseball, it's really just treated like you're injured. The doctor says you're healed. And now you go figure out how to play baseball right again. Uh, you know, and we've talked about that on the podcast before with some of these guys who get injured and then they come back and they're healthy, but aren't baseball healthy and they do badly. And then people are mad at them for being bad. And it's just like, you know, it was the injury just because they came back. Doesn't mean they're not, you know, it doesn't mean they're not injured still in some senses. So, right. You know, hopefully awareness can help them as well. Uh, let's see what else is going on around here. So I guess just today, uh, in addition to the collective bargaining agreement that was agreed on, um, 
a couple of weeks ago at this point. Uh, MLB and the Players Association have agreed to expand active rosters from 26 to 28 until the 1st of May um, to kind of help with, you know, the condensed schedule they're going to have getting back up to speed. Uh, They've also put back into play uh, your ghost runner for extra innings. Yeah, not technically a real ghost runner. Correct. I don't like calling it that. I, I never, know, I, it, I never truly understood. Like, I get it, but it, it's not automatic really runner. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. To me, I it's think that, yo, I'd prefer to see a real ghost runner. You know, all right, you're not going to let the game go 18 innings and be a quagmire that way. Fine. Instead, we'll make the game shorter, but we'll make the quagmire like, oh, a guy hits a single to right field, and then now. Dusty Baker and Davey Martinez are both out of their dugouts yelling about how the guy on the ghost on second definitely scored and rounded third <laughs> home, you know, and then Davey's like, no, no way. You know, you only get to advance one bet. You'll know, you advance however many bags the batter runs. The batter got a single. He only goes to third. Uh, I, I would be really enjoyed if you had everybody mic'd up for that. I think that would be great spectacle. I think you should have to choose that. what ghost is on second base. Like, is it the ghost of Willie Mays that's on second base? What's happening here? Well, see, yeah, you know, obviously that would be after somebody makes a claim the first time that the ghost of Willie Mays was who was on second base, and it was prime Willie Mays. So obviously he has scored. Uh, then you have to go back into the rule book and add additional details that say either you're not allowed to declare dead baseball <laughs> players. Or you're not allowed to declare players, you know, for specific ages. You have to take them at whatever competency they would be at now. Just gonna have a ghost draft, you know, or, or yeah, or like you said, you have to declare them ahead of time. Uh, you know, you could also option up, you know, the option. You know, they're not going to have. I believe they're banning shifts now. Next, did year. that actually end up in this? Yeah, next year. Next year. Next year. Yeah. But alongside that, maybe we can have ghost shifts where. You know, the, the physical defensive players stay two on each side, but, you know, the offense is allowed to declare that their runner, ghost runner on second is Ricky Henderson. And so then the defense is allowed to cl- declare they have a ghost uh, extra field infielder who is guarding the bag so Ricky doesn't get a big enough lead. Uh, you know, there's a lot around that they could be doing, <laughs> which would be really entertaining for the fan. Uh would definitely speed up the game uh, in terms of time played or in terms of the amount of baseball played, it would not speed up the amount of time it would take to play. (laughs) But I think it would be very interesting. I think you also would be able to kind of try to move, you know, a lot of younger kids are moving into more of kind of that fantasy video games kind of realm. And you're kind of like, all right, we're going to bring in this kind of role-playing aspect to the game. Uh, where you know strategy card systems <laughs> to really kind of decide. I mean, you could bring in dice rolls if you want. Be like, all right, you roll a die, and that sets what speed your ghost runner is for this inning. You know, if you get a nine, obviously you'd have to have the umpires overseeing that, have a camera on it just to make sure that there's nobody cheating, and you know they roll it in their dugout and say, oh yeah, we got a ten, totally. Now, who's uh, who's keeping track of all the mana pulls and anything else that we need to like put our Ricky Henderson card down? Is that Ooh, still the umpires? Do we have somebody else come in? You, James is now the czar of this. 
Volunteer. You do definitely have to be careful with that. I mean, especially you know, it's a key concern with our the infield and the warning tracks, the dirt all around. Uh, this is definitely going to be a, a pretty simple. I think we definitely have to institute the rule that everybody ha- you have to keep your cards in the sleeve. Um, you're, you're not. You don't need to take them out to show to you know demonstrate authenticity. You know, we'll have some honor system there. Uh, about the cards. Uh, oh, that yeah. sounds like an unwritten rule to me. Those are dangerous. <laughs> I mean, that would be the great, the next great baseball cheating <laughs> scandal is that, you know, teams are printing out illegal cards. Just photocopied cards. Players. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Um, Did you see the other rule, though? The Shohei sh- the, the rule? rule? That's, yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. Rule. It's I like it. You call it the Shoyo Otani rule, and I call it the Max Scherzer will bully his way into this rule. (laughs) (laughs) That he will eventually wear down Bulk Showalter with his demands to be allowed to be the DH slash pitcher for a day. So he can avenge his last year? (laughs) Right. Because he can argue, you know, because Buck, otherwise, he'd be like, hey, Buck, let me hit, you know, when I start my game. And he'd be like, no, because when we take you out, then we lose. Then I have to make my relievers hit, or I have to pinch hit. That's too difficult. But now Max can be like, you know, I'll just keep hitting for the rest of the game. It'll be okay. You know, it, what what's the worst that could happen? So, you know, I say good luck to him. Everybody's going to focus on Shohei Otani, but I think that the key player to focus on with this rule change is Max Scherzer and whether he can bully his way into it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be one of those things that either they have won the division and don't care anymore yeah, and it happens, or they have flamed out so bad that they don't. Imagine care if about a manager happens. actually let one of their pitchers, like a Scherzer, hit, and then they get injured. <laughs> like, how, oh, man, I mean, think the about if you let, like Madison Bumgarner do it. Like what? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I feel like that would be one of those things where a manager would try to. Yeah, especially if you're like way out of it, would try to be cool and be like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna let him, we're gonna let this guy be the DH and pitcher today," and then by like ten minutes later, the lineup card will have been changed. Be like, "No, that's not happening." Um, and I guess we should uh, actually state what the rule is. Um, it's a ruling that says uh, your pitcher, if your pitcher is your DH and you pull your pitcher, they can continue to DH for the rest of the game. You don't have to replace them in your uh, batting order. Uh, so that's that's a smart move to keep the guy that they have been wanting to advertise as much as possible in the game and not pulling him out. Um, so it's very neat. I got to say, the, the Ghost Runners thing... I have to figure it's going to find a way to stick around yeah. just because there's no reason to have 18 inning games in the middle yeah. of March, in the middle of May. And it's just why, why beat down these teams and both sides seem to be okay with it. Cause the players stay healthy and the owners avoid players getting hurt, you know, big money players getting hurt in these long games, pitchers blowing out their arms. Yeah. And I mean, no, I would prefer they go to a method that might, it's like, you know, a little bit closer to NFL, obviously not with like the, you know, sudden death, but you just pay, you play like a short or like NHL, but not randomly taking two players off. But you just say like, okay, 
extra innings for a baseball game is now three innings. So you pay the 10th, you play the 11th, you play the 12th. If after that, and you could even do it in, in the same way we do now, where it's at, at the end of the 10th, if the home team is winning, the game is over. You know, or if, you know, if one team is winning at the end of any of these innings, you know, that team wins the game. But if you get to the end of the 12th and you're still tied, then that just becomes a uh, a tie game. You know, you just put it in the standings as a tie. Yeah. Yeah. I think at that point, you'd almost need to, I mean, you could do a couple of things. You could leave it as a tie, which everyone hates ties. Um, you could go as kind of a hybrid of like, you play the ninth, you play the 10th and the 11th without it or you play the 10th yeah. without it and then you start it with the 11th you know something along those lines just to speed it up at that point or you could go for what apparently they're going to do in the all-star game and just have a home run derby at the end of the game right which at yes. that point then you'd have to go to like a hockey style point system where you each get a point for making it that far but the winner gets two. Oh yeah well i mean that's what i've I've always wanted to do because there's like a drill you can do where it's like, you know, you have, it's like you pick a pitcher for your team. He gets to throw one pitch to each of the batters on your team. Uh, and then you just say like, you know, whatever, you know, they, you know, they get one pitch and either they swing or they don't swing and that's it. And they have to walk off. Uh, but I think it would be interesting. You know, you could do a home run derby, more traditional home run derby too. But uh, I, I think there's, and there's way more interesting gimmicky ways to resolve a tie if you wanted to, mm-hmm. or if you wanted to try to stay more traditional, then I would say you just, you go extra innings, you limit the number of extra innings that can be had. And you eventually just say, okay, this is a tie game. Yeah. Uh, I think right now they're in kind of the worst of both where it's this weird thing that probably will speed it up, you know, has generally kind of looked like it's speeding things up. Um, but obviously we don't really have enough extra, you know, extra enough, uh, data to really show that for sure. Um, but also it then creates a lot of, it creates a lot of issues with the scoring, uh, with you say, well, does that guy get an RBI for hitting in a runner who wasn't, you know, he leads off the inning with an RBI, but not a home run somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, does the guy who scored the run, yeah, does he get a run counted? Does it count against the pitchers, you know, run average earn run average, uh, you know, there's a lot of things like that. You're kind of messing with, it, it just gets a little wonky, which I'm surprised um, that hasn't come up more just from yeah. the player side, because in the end that's money in RBI right. here in ERA point there, like that's money in their pocket or yeah. out of their pocket at that point. You know, I, I'm sure they've done the calculations have decided that it, it's a fine price to pay for, you know, not having to play as long for one game. Um, but I, I think it, it might just be a thing where it's more like the owners have proposed that solution and the players have all they've done on their side to think about it is, does this work for us or not? And kind of came up with yes. And then it's, that's just what's happening rather than, I don't think this is a side where the owners say, okay, like, hey, what if we broke ties this way? And then the player said, what if we did them this way instead? Mm-hmm. Uh, and tried to come up with what would actually be, you know, the most interesting, probably best answer. Um, but it, it also, it, it's a little more concerning this year, especially because uh, they're starting with the expanded playoffs 
uh, and having additional wildcard teams, and they're going to have three-game wildcard series. They got rid of tie-breaking games, like game 163, and instead we'll just be doing you know basic tiebreakers like every other sport does, where it's like runs scored, common opponent record, have or we, things like that. Have they listed what the actual tiebreakers are? Not that I have seen, although it's definitely possible. Um, but I would assume run scored, run differential, something like that will probably be in there somewhere. And that can get messed with a little bit if you happen to have a lot of extra inning games and you get you know, you know a, a few extra runs that way because a runner was put on second. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you could end up breaking a tie that way, uh, which would seem a little unfair. So I don't know if they've officially given out what the tiebreakers will be, but I would be surprised if runs wasn't in there somewhere. Uh, I'm looking. Uh, I, I think it also depends on who's tied, whether it's a div- in division or um, wild card yeah. between people in different divisions. Doesn't look like anybody has said yet what it is. It, it just says that they're that they're going to have statistical tiebreakers instead of yeah. Uh, yeah. tiebreaker games. So yeah, I, I know previously it was like head to as of last year. Yeah. Uh, number one was like head to head winning percentage during the regular season. I have to imagine that's going to be number one. Um, and then well, that may not last though. Cause did you guys see next year? They're going to apparently have everybody play everybody else. In well, that's what I was going to say. That's, it's for these tiebreakers is now it's easier to do a common opponents or things like that and have it be, you know, enough games that you can say, okay, you know, your record against common opponents is, well, I guess, now it would be it. would just be your record. Huh? Yeah. That doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> well, because also, like, I feel like it against the common opponents. Now it's like, okay, well, you know, you get somebody in a weekend. You know, in the past where you would face the Nats and you'd get, you know, Scherzer, Strasburg, and you know, Geo or Corbin or you know whoever is like third. If you get all three of those, mm-hmm. but you know somebody else comes and they get, you know, Fetty and Espino. Of course, obviously, not all those guys are on the team at the same time. But like, you know, <laughs> right. they're still ways to get massive inequities even when playing the same teams. Yeah. So I figured that they should just do run differential. I mean, that right. It, it's funny. That's the first thing Lauren brought up because that's how soccer does it. If you guys are tied, yeah. it's, oh, I don't want to do it anymore. It's goal differential <laughs> is the first thing of yeah. like, that's what separates you. Um, so that would, yeah. that would, Which then I, I think, I think that runs into an issue. If you have a lot of extra inning games and you're getting, you know, you get 10 extra runs because you had a runner put on second for you. Uh, you know, that another team like, you know, say, you know, say the Atlanta and you know, the Mets are tied at the end of the season and Atlanta played 15 extra inning games that went on average 11 innings while New York managed to only play three. Um, and so Atlanta on that way got 10 extra runs that, uh, you know, New York didn't get if they have similar records we know they'll probably have pretty close you know similar run differentials uh so that tenant you know those extra extra inning runs uh that you know you aren't building naturally that are coming from having that ghost runner there uh could be a big difference between who gets the tiebreaker and who gets to go to the playoffs so you shouldn't have left so many people on base 
That's all. Yeah, you should have, you should have simply won games. <laughs> it's, it's, not that they're, it's not that they're leaving them on base. It's because they're not even having, they're not playing the games in extra innings. Yeah. That, that's they the should, difference. They should play more extra inning games then. Is the, Met, the Mets and Atlanta are getting to the same record, but you know the Mets are just winning in regulation. They're winning in nine innings to get to 92 and 70, while Atlanta got to 92 and 70 by going to extra innings 20 times and winning. 16 of those, you know, you got extra runs that way. And then now that's going to put you ahead in run differential, you know, because you, you won those extra inning games that gave you bonus runs. So all I'm hearing is that this would hurt either the Mets or the Braves. So I'm, yeah. <laughs> well, it could hurt us in the future. If we ever decide to try to play the play in the playoffs again. Yeah. That doesn't sound fun. <laughs> So. I got to say this, uh, this playing every team, like how is it taking baseball this long to make this happen? Well, you feel know, before you didn't, you want it. They like the tradition of the leagues being completely separate and that they only met in the world series. And then you move to interleague play, but then interleague play was all for, you know, one specific part in the calendar and everybody did it at the same time. Uh, and then said enough of that. Let's get back to serious business. Uh, and then they finally, you know, made it even out fifteen and fifteen, and you always had to have at least one interleague series. Uh, but even then, I, I would assume there was a lot of complaints before. Now that the NL has the DH, that you know, if they were playing interleague at such a high frequency, mm-hmm. that that would be putting teams at a disadvantage. Um, yeah, you know, AL teams like if you had David Ortiz, and now you're playing suddenly an extra, like, was it? Uh, 30 games, I guess, mm-hmm. against you know, NL that now Ortiz is not able to play because they don't... Well, I guess 15 it would be half of them yeah. would be at home half away uh, extra. You know, that's still... 15 is a pretty big number um, to not be playing with your DH or you know, you know, having to make your pitchers hit when they're not used to hitting. Uh, even with the even though it'd be slightly more frequent for the AL teams, you know, when they're playing interleague, it wouldn't have such big gaps. You still wouldn't necessarily be so frequent that your pitchers would be used to hitting. You wouldn't necessarily want them practicing hitting as much as they would have to yeah. for that. When still the large majority of your games, they wouldn't have to hit. Um, no, so my I, thing I is, is just that MOB's job as a, as a corporation is to grow the game. Yeah, and Should you should tell them that <laughs> you shouldn't be waiting six years to see Mike Trout in your yeah. home stadium, right? Well, and that's the same thing we say with college football scheduling is having the same problem mm-hmm. is that you know you can only play so many games, uh, and you kind of have to try to find that balance between rivalries and you know seeing everybody. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's kind of the issues now is. You know, if you want to play everybody in even amount of times, generally, then you're taking away from those in, in division games, uh, and then, you know that's really a question of you know what do you value. I mean, I think anecdotally, I feel like the Nats games against Atlanta, the Mets, the Phillies generally have more fans showing up for. Obviously, the Marlins have been pretty much the exact opposite. Those seem to always have very few people showing up to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think those in division games generally you, you do see you know a few more fans coming in, but you know that's not always 
they're not the only ones who are drawing because also when the Yankees come to town, the Red Sox, Dodgers, Cubs, Cardinals, you know, there, there's a lot of other teams that, that are draws. Uh, you probably won't see that as much, you know, from like the Mariners or the A's. Uh, but you could still see where you're trying to kind of get that balance of, you know, who do people want to see? Do you want to see all the teams a lot? Or do you want to say, you know, Mets, Nationals duking it out five times a year, six times a year? I mean, my, my thought process is it allows you to see the teams that are good for like that year. Mm-hmm. And then end up getting broken up and spun off into other pieces, or they have a couple of free agents leave, or anything along those lines. Whereas, I mean, as we've seen for the last couple of years, where the NL East hasn't been particularly good. Yeah. Where every year it's like, oh man, this is going to be great. And then we all end up kind of shit in the bed a little bit. Um, it would be more fun to have more of those other teams come in and at least get right. to see other people in the process. No, and I agree with that. And I also think if they're going to keep expanding the playoffs now to 14 teams, I think I said 12 earlier, but I think it's 14 now. No, it's 12. Or is it 12? It's it is 12. 10 to 12 and then 14. For some reason, I, was, they wanted they, I 14 thought it was 14 really instead of 16, but I'm sure it'll be at 16 soon. Um, 30 soon. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I mean, that's, I think that I was going to say is what I think would be more interesting is if you're going to keep expanding the number of teams in the playoffs – you should change the regular season back to take away the divisions. You just have one table for the National League, one table for the American League. You play an even schedule. You get to see all the teams. You know, you might play like one series against every single American League team and then two series against every National League team. I don't know if that math works out. Probably not. Um, it's good to me. <laughs> it'd be 14 times three is 50. Two. So if you did it twice, it'd be 104. It'd be 156 games. So you're close. We're in the ballpark. Yeah. So you you just you know have like six extra. You throw around, or you make it 156 game season. Who who says? Um. But you or you know you add uh one or two more teams, uh, and have one extra series against them. But you you could do that. Um which I think would be really interesting is then you'll have that even schedule. You know, you're putting the best teams into the playoffs. You could probably put a little bit more weight into winning the regular season. Uh, You could basically say we're the national league. You know, we have the national league regular season title, uh, you know, or pennant uh, to be more baseball appropriate. Um, We need a president's trophy for baseball. Yeah, essentially. Uh, but once that, yeah, it, it, that the problem with the president's trophy is with the hockey is you have two different conferences within those conferences, you have two different divisions and then one of those teams gets the president's trophy and you know, it, it totally, a lot of times it's just a function of, well, you're the Tampa Bay lightnings, so you're a pretty good team, but then also there's three teams in your division that are absolute dog shit mm-hmm. that you beat up on. Yeah. So the Avalanche and the Knights, who are also very good teams, equally good, had no chance because they were in each other. You know, they were in you know, tougher divisions. They were not in each other's divisions, Central and West. Don't want to get yelled at for that. <laughs> but uh, but I, I think you could definitely see if you say, all right, we've got 15. Here's our 15 National League teams. Here's our 15 American League teams. They're all competing. Uh, whoever wins gets the bragging title of you know the National League pennant and the American League pennant. 
And then we go to the playoffs where we, we the top seven in the National League and the top seven in the American League move on to the playoffs. Uh, and we do the playoff structure in the way they want. Or I guess it's top six now because it's 12, not 14. But I keep thinking about the future. But I, <laughs> we know it's going to end up at 14. Um, that you could kind of move on that way uh, and, and try to find you know that balance that you see a lot more in the soccer European soccer leagues of you have a regular season title that's based on the round robin schedule and everybody plays an even schedule and you know hey this is the best team because they won the most games against everybody mm-hmm. uh, and then you have this cool cup title that's you know exciting fun not necessarily finding your best team uh, but still a worthwhile accomplishment and you know, especially cool when some team is able to do the double and win both league and cup titles. So, And I think that would also go back to appease sort of the old school baseball fans too. Cause I mean, these days, like, you know, winning your uh, league is, you know, it's a big deal, you know, but if you go to the world series, you lose, nobody cares. But like back in, you know, look back in like the fifties and the sixties, like winning the pennant was like a huge deal. Even if you didn't win the world series, like it was, you know, a very big accomplishment and I feel like nobody really cares anymore. <laughs> I mean, yeah. just think back to the nineties when winning the pennant could bring back your deadbeat dad. And <laughs> uh, really, he did not come back at the end. He of did not. No, I don't <laughs> want to spoil a, a 30 year old uh, Disney remake of a, another movie that I think was originally about the pirates. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah. Which is just confusing. Pirates in um, the outfield. I mean, I, it, it definitely feels Grr. like somebody saw that movie as a kid and became a Disney executive. And it was like, finally, we could make this movie with a team. Because, you know, the California Angels didn't exist when the original came out. It's like, we finally have a team where this fucking title makes any sense. <laughs> so we're just going to we're gonna make the movie again. Angels in the outfield. <laughs> I would watch Pirates in the Outfield, though, Sean. I think I think you're onto something there. <laughs> Have you guys ever gone back and looked at all of like the actors that are in that movie? It's oh, and Angels like, in the Outfield. I think yeah. it has at least it has multiple Academy Award winners because as Matthew McConaughey and uh, Adrian Brody both are players on the Angels. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who I don't, I think he's been nominated, but I don't think he's won anything uh, as the small child who sees Angels. Tony Danza actually does Tony Danza won any awards for anything? It has another one. So. Uh, the foster care lady who was the bird lady from Angel uh, oh, from yeah. Home Alone too. She's she has an Oscar. Oh really? Oh. Yeah. What was that for? Uh, a movie. A movie. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Christopher Lloyd won three Emmys. Oh yeah, for Taxi. Probably. Probably. Danny Glover. That movie is wild. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a good movie, but it's also just hilarious that at like the last second, um Christopher Lloyd shows up at the playoff game near the end of the movie and just Gordon Levitt's like, Oh, finally you're here to help out. He's like, No, nah, sorry, we don't help in playoff games, which I don't understand <laughs> how that rule works. You know, you're the only reason they made it into this playoff game, so you've already done too much, but and he's like, no, I'm not here for that. I'm just here to tell you that Tony Danza is about to die in like a month. See you later. <laughs> but I feel like kid Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays it really well. If you ever look, because I've seen it a couple times because I used the the uh, 
for Evgeny Kuznetsov when he went, when he scores and does the flying eagle, I use mm-hmm. the gif of everybody doing that for him. <laughs> and if you look at it, kid Joseph Gordon-Levitt definitely does a good job of looking like very sad about him that he's lying to Tony Danza about this, <laughs> but also like. I need you to have this nice moment because you are about to die. <laughs> I am a child. <laughs> so it's just really so funny. So if, you like, if you like look at the, everybody else's faces, like everybody else in that scene is smiling. Uh, and then Joseph Gordon-Levitt just has like trying not to cry. And yo, very strong face. It's very funny. Great performance from him. <laughs> Bravo. Now I have way too many IMDb tabs open. <laughs> Who needs fan graphs? It is really random who's in that cast. <laughs> Whereas like Rookie of the Year, uh, you have that one guy who was in American Pie. You have Neil Flynn, who played the janitor in Scrubs, who apparently was traded to the Cubs. No, was a fan of the Cubs, but I think he was on the Indians in Major League. Or it's the other way around. I can't remember. You got Daniel Stern. It does have uh, Daniel Stern as a pitching coach. Bethesda fame. Looks kind of... Sean Doolittle, I feel like Sean Doolittle is trying more and more to look like Daniel Stern in that movie without anybody noticing. <laughs> oh yeah, Gary Busey. I forgot about Gary Busey. Yeah. Thomas Ian Nichols, that's his name. A kid from American Pie. So... Great I just to round it out, 90s. I have to look up Little Big League. I don't think anybody's in that movie. Well, they had to have somebody in it. Otherwise, they would be able to make the movie. Isn't it weird they don't make kids' movies like that anymore? Yeah, they really don't. Well, now they make series. An oh, yeah, 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 has I mean, Dennis series. Farina in it, thank you. Ooh. Oh, boy. <laughs> Dennis Farina, wow. <laughs> Top billing. Yeah, this is a uh, not a star-studded cast. Uh-uh. Oh, it hey, does have that fun. guy that I always confuse with other more important people. I think, uh, Sean, this would be a fun if you if you put another trivia game together sometime. Be like, we're, I'll just name actors from this sports movie, and then you try to guess which one it is. <laughs> that is a good one. Because I, I, just for the pure hilarity of you just listing off the rookie of the year cast, and these people are just like, what fucking sports movie <laughs> has Matthew McConaughey, Adrian Brody, Tony Danza, Christopher Lloyd? What is happening? <laughs> I don't remember this prestige baseball movie. <laughs> uh, so we did miss, you have missed the big news that happened while the Nats, while we were still under no deal this offseason. For the Nats. The retirement of Brian Zimmerman? Yeah, employee number 11. Yes. That, that retirement of him and now see. the future retirement of his number. Everything's being retired. Yeah. I was happy to see that they went ahead and just did it. Um, they announced yesterday that it's going to be done uh, June 17th and 18th with the actual retirement yeah. being on the 18th. Um. No, I mean, it's the... It's not surprising. They were also very fast on getting Jason Worth up on that Ring of Honor. It's so fast that there are times I keep forgetting that he's there, and then, like, we'll look and see it and be like, oh, yeah. (laughs) I am. They had, like, a whole thing for that. Yeah. 
Well, it, was September, guys- it was like in September 2018, but things were not going well. They're just like, please stick with us. <laughs> Stay in the fight. Here's something fun. Yeah. Well, and when you, you don't, the odds are that he that he comes back and plays this year, that he gets tired of retiring, and then they have to cancel the retirement. Zimmerman, yeah, I, I feel like he uh, he has no momentum on things. He's very stasis. I think the second he decides to do something else, he will never change what he's going to do. So I think it's like once he's like, I'm going to be retired. I think there's absolutely no. I don't know if he'll even like lift baseball bats again. <laughs> Well, he but has to it. for his personal services contract. <laughs> you think so? Actually, written in there, it says, I will not hold baseball bats. Baseball bats, no. <laughs> Held enough. No, he, de- he definitely strikes me as somebody not like Brady or Favre who would be like, ah, I got nothing better to do. I'm going to go play more. These suckers will pay me to do it. No, I mean, honestly, I would imagine there's part of him that kind of wished he just rode off into the sunset after 19 with how yeah. 2020 and everything else went that like, you're just like, eh. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, I understood why he, he, he was trying to just, you know, everybody wanted to do that 2020 victory yeah. lap season. Yeah, definitely. You know, that's why he came back. That's why Kendrick came back and then he opted out. And then I think he kind of realized that, people kind of wanted to watch Ryan Zimmer one last time. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'll come back for 2021. Uh, and then, you know, kind of finally was kind of coming to that realization of not really a point to doing this again, even with the DH. And I think, I think knowing the DH was probably going to start the season was probably the la- the only reason why he didn't announce his retirement last fall. Mm-hmm. But it's just, that was probably just enough of a pull. Like, well, if you come back, you can just DH. You don't have to do the field and things like that. That'll make it easier. You know, you don't have to be quite as, you know, you don't have to quite as much warm up workouts. You don't have to prep your arm anymore for throwing and things like that, uh, which was probably, you know, a small pull. And I think you kind of just like, yeah, but why <laughs> for this team? Really? I was going to say, what so end? if the Nats don't sell last year, yeah. Like they did. Do you think he comes back? I think there's a reasonable chance. Mm-hmm. I, I think the, the Nats kind of got screwed, unfortunately, you know, with Strasburg using the opt out. And so they had the big contract for him. Uh, they couldn't do the same for Rendon. And then, of course, also then Strasburg hasn't been able to perform. Uh, Scherzer not really fading at all. And you know, ending up being in another realm of a giant contract where you, you could have probably have reasonably hoped before 2019 that you would have been at a number you actually could have signed him back for uh, and that you could have had that you would have had the DH and would have been able to keep Zimmerman around that you, you could have kept enough of these guys. Trey Turner wouldn't get traded. You know, um, I think before some of those things happened, you could have reasonably expected you could put that team together and, Sim would have stuck around for one more year with that team, but you can definitely see why with the team they have now, there's not really a point for him. Yeah. He's still going to get paid to be a, you know, teacher to the young kids anyways. So why not do it while not beating up his body? Yeah, exactly. And I got to say between Strasburg and Rendon, like, could you have, a worse pair together or, or a worse set of luck between those two 
after those contracts I mean, signed. It's, <laughs> it's hilarious that you just don't hear any really anger about that because you knew they signed for identical deals. The Nats had to pick one of them, and you can't really be like, well, way to go, dummies. You picked the wrong one because neither has done anything. They've both been injured almost the entire time since then. So, so Rendon has I, played in 110 games in the last two years. Yeah. And even then, you know, a lot of those games were not very effective because he was still, it was just like, I'm healthy enough to get on the field and I feel bad I'm not playing. So I'll go out there. Well, but he started awful. His classy. first season was actually decent. WRC plus of 153, uh, hit 286, 418, 497, like a 395 Woba. Like that, that's not terrible. But last year, oh, good gracious. Yeah, well, I think it's kind of the way the injury pattern was. He started 2020 well injured, and then I think he played like a little bit more and then was injured again, and then I think he was injured to start this year. Yeah. And then, you know, when he came back, probably came back too early, looked terrible, and then went back out again. So then that, you know, those bad first couple weeks carried a lot of weight going forward. So uh, it's unfortunate. So would have liked to see both of them on the Nats and doing well would have been my ideal choice after 2019. So this is kind of the worst of both, <laughs> but you know, hopefully they can recover, especially Strasburg since he's the one who's still on the Nats uh, to kind of have a, a good couple seasons here to close it out. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So we've talked about Zim. We should probably talk about what the rest of the division has done. Um, the Marlins haven't done a whole lot. They were linked to Castellanos at one point, and then that fizzled out. What did you say, Sean? They signed Soler. Mm, okay. They're going to have a – well, they and the uh, Phillies both uh, signed some bats and uh, are just going to shoehorn them in and have very bad defenses, I guess. Uh, so they – the Marlins signed both Avisel Garcia before the lockout and then Solaire afterwards. Nice. Um, and then I think that they all central represent. Yeah. They already have a couple of obvious DH candidates too. Yeah. between, I forget who uh, Sanchez, their first baseman. Am I making that up? Is, is uh, Avi Garcia still just like an empty um, batting average? Mostly. Yes. More or less. Yeah. They traded for uh, Luzardo, right? That was uh, waivers, or that was the uh, deadline. uh, Deadline. Oh, is that part of the the Marta deal? They dealt Marta Marta to the A's and Mm -hmm. for Luzardo in return. Yeah. So he's actually been throwing hard in spring training, which is a good sign because he was horrible last year. He's got destroyed. Interesting. So he almost gave up two home runs per nine. No, they, they've mostly done the same thing the Nats did, which was just sign a few random people. Although, weirdly, unlike the Nats, I think they signed Solaire to like a three-year deal. Not for that much money, so it's still probably tradable, but... And Garcia's was four, too. Yeah, it is. They haven't signed odd. anybody else. Like, yeah. not even, like, they've signed one guy to a minor league contract, it looks like, unless I'm doing something wrong with this free agent tracker. <laughs> oh, no, and there's definitely teams out there that prefer when they're trading at the deadline to trade for, you know, cost control, trade for people who are going to be 
you know, more than one year. They, you know, you don't want to trade for a rental for three months and then miss the playoffs and then they leave. Uh, so I, I can sort of see it on that end, but three and four years also might just be too much. You know, it's like, well, I you know I wanted to commit to three months and one extra year. I did not want to commit to you know, three years after this. If you trade him <laughs> to me now, I don't think he's that useful. Uh, the Braves went ahead and uh, bid farewell to Freddie Freeman. And that then, was a ridiculous decision. I just, I don't understand it. So you, you let Freddie Freeman walk when all it would have taken was money to bring him back. Yeah. And not that much more money. No. Compared to what they, they do. No. Did, I will do. say that he probably ended up getting paid less because once they uh, traded for Olsen and signed into the deal, that yeah. kind of took all the uh, competition off for the Dodgers, but I mean, it still would have been not that much more. I would assume. No. Um, and then the Braves go and send multiple prospects. Sean, you can speak to the, how good those prospects are um, over to the A's for Matt Olson and then extended him for another eight years. So the Braves do have in recent years, at least a track record of like, they're elite or like their elite guys kind of come out of nowhere, you know, like your Acuna's in there and like Ozzy's, they were good prospects. And then like they shot up right at the end, right before they got to the majors, whatever they weren't like, you know, top all the time, but the guys that are like consistently top 100 guys all seem to end up sucking. <laughs> and those are basically the kind of guys that they got rid of in the deal. So like, I think they will be okay. There, there's not any like sure thing. Like Pache is the name guy, but he's sort of Robleson. Of course he's younger and has a lot more time to come back, but you know, he's sort of the same in the same kind of boat of like, he can be an elite defensive center fielder with a lot of speed, but if he doesn't hit, you know, whatever. And I mean, like the other guys, they, they have a shot, you know, they can you know, just like any prospect, but it's not like they gave up for amazing talents or anything like that at four canvas guys. Okay. But yeah. Uh, the Braves do anything else? They signed a bunch of relief pitchers. Well, they got Kenley, so they basically traded uh, Freddie for Kenley. <laughs> and then they signed McHugh, and they signed uh, Kirby Yates. Well, was Kirby Yates hurt? They signed him two years for pretty cheap. For some reason, I want to say he's coming. Yeah, I think he's coming off Tommy John, so I think he's going to miss most of the year. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, pretty much. Oh, and they re-signed Eddie Rosario, which he was good down the stretch for them. But I think that he's going to come back to being Eddie Rosario yeah. pretty soon. Yeah, but more of a lightning in the bottle kind of thing. Better them than us. All right. They didn't re-sign Jock. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I they for a team that won the World Series, they left a remarkable amount of those guys. Yeah, let a lot of them go, which is, I don't know, maybe the right decision because the Nats didn't and have looked bad since then. But it's also just as a person who appreciated getting to see the play, you know, we kind of missed out on seeing a lot of those guys after they won the World Series because of COVID. Uh, you know, only got to watch them on TV, but even that was, you know, nice. 
mm-hmm. uh, that it would be weird if you're just like, okay, well, we won the World Series, but get these guys all out of here. Hope, hope these new guys are good instead. <laughs> well, hope you like Matt Olson. Like, I mean, they're going to be good, but it seems like they could really put themselves into give themselves a better, much better chance of repeating if they signed like one more of those guys and, you know, they don't have to do anything crazy, but I mean, right now, Alex Dickerson's going to be one of their, he's going to be like, they're starting outfielder or DH until Acuna comes back. Like their bench has Brock Holt on it. Like yeah. they could have done a little bit more around the edges, I think. Um, and, you know, their rotation, they always got all these young guys that they can just sort of throw and, you know, yeah. Some of them will stick, but you know, given the amount of money that they made, you know, from winning the World Series, and you know, their payroll wasn't right. really well, that much to begin that's with. That's the funniest thing is that they tried to claim, well, oh, you know, we just don't have the money to pay Freddie what he wants. Even though one, they're not on the luxury tax; they're not close. You know, the difference between Olson and Freddie wouldn't have put them over. Two, they're a publicly traded company, and everybody can see their books. <laughs> you know, at a kind of high level and how much revenue they made from the world series winning year. And it's just, you know, what do you mean you can't pay Freddie Freeman? Um, that's just ridiculous. But yeah, I, the key for them is really going to be their pitching staff. And they finally last year was the first year where a good amount of their big pitching prospect guys, actually multiple of them had a good season. Uh, Cause Freed and Anderson both did, you know, fairly well. Um, and who Oscar the Grouch did pretty well too until he got hurt. Yeah, he played a bunch of locker or something. I think so. It might. It might just be confusing him with Drew Storen. I think somebody new punched a locker last year, though. I think you're right. Oh, about okay. That. Um. You know, obviously the missing Soroka. They missed Soroka last year. Uh, who had been good previously. He may be done, or not done, done, but he may never really come back. Because I think that it's a new frontier for a pitcher retearing the same Achilles, like when it wasn't properly healed. Like I was, I forget. I think I was reading maybe either Fangraphs or the Athletic a couple weeks ago, and they're basically like, we have no idea, like if it's going to be months or years before he can like really come back. He's still on yeah. twenty four, but still, yeah. No, and then the other question for them is just like, you know, I think Charlie Morton's still signed for this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So a bit, he's also 38. So. And coming off a broken leg. How? Yeah. I mean, he was, he's been good. He was good last year again, but, you know, especially because Morton's not that sort of overpowering pitcher like Scherzer or some of these, Kershaw, some of these other guys um, who are his age. You know, Morton's not a, you know, completely ridiculous top 10 pitcher in baseball, top five pitcher in baseball kind of guy before he got to this age, you definitely have to wonder exactly how much longer he can hold on. It's I think a higher chance that he could just fall off completely compared to some of these other guys. Cause he's already at the fallback level. <laughs> you know, it's like Scherzer, you can lose the speed like Kershaw the last couple of years has lost you know, the other speed off of some of the fastballs but has learned how to use his breaking ball, some of his other stuff to set hitters up and still be very effective. Scherzer, you can see, you know, being able to do the same thing. Uh, but Morton's already at that stage. So if he loses more, 
there's not much of a fallback there. You're kind of just Levon Hernandez at that point. Uh, and the game has no use for Levon Hernandez any Hernandez's anymore. <laughs> so moving on to the Phillies. Uh, you They made some big moves. I Phillies, the Los Angeles Angels of Philadelphia. Um <laughs> Again, Who needs pitching? It, it is. It's remarkable how similar they have been, but you know, between the Phillies, you know, especially with the Angels, especially once they added Bryce Harper to be their kind of Mike Trout position there, and then they just continue to add on to the offense as if that's what's been holding them back somehow. Uh, same as the Angels, it's you know, your pitching rotation. Uh, yeah, the Angels have Otani at the top. The Phillies have Wheeler. I, the, the one thing the Phillies do have is they have Wheeler and Nola. So that gives them two good pitchers. Isn't uh, which, Wheeler hurt? Is though? he? I, th- I don't For some so. reason, I thought that he was going to be like iffy to start the season. I, I want to say he had like a shoulder thing. It may not be as bad as what I originally heard, but. I don't remember. I I know uh, Petreo when he was doing his like top starters right now for MLB Network. Wheeler was on there, so okay. I assume there's some assumption. You know, there's a lot of starting pitchers, so I don't think he would have been included if there was some assumption he wasn't going to be back soon. So, according to um, the Philadelphia Inquirer, Philly Zach Wheeler is his status is the biggest story in Philly spring training. <laughs> Well, there you go. So we don't know for sure. So maybe they don't. Maybe they only have one good pitcher. But they have the option for multiple good pitchers if they're both healthy. Not a thing the Angels have. Uh, the Angels have no relief pitchers. The Phillies also have no relief pitchers. But in an interesting manner, it's, it's a lot of names you recognize. But you recognize because they have been pretty terrible recently and <laughs> had some good years, but they were much further in the past. Uh, and from Kyle division Gibson. rivals, because they have both Brad Hand, uh, who everybody loves to hate, and Jerry's Familia, uh, previously of the Mets, who has been, who basically has tanked the Mets last two seasons, along with Dylan Batances. So Brad Hand, also previously a Met. That's true, Brad Hand oh, yeah. was on the Mets. So uh, I'm trying to remember, I think they had somebody else completely. I, their bullpen. Corey Knievel. Knievel, yeah. I don't. the The funny thing is, I think they finally don't have Robertson anymore, though. Oh yeah, I think he's finally off the books. I'm trying to. I'm trying to like pull it up because uh, there was somebody else. They got yeah, they Alvarado from Robertson, the but, Rays you know, they have their, last year. I think they have their homegrown nut job in Sir Anthony Dominguez, who is always all over the place. Alvarado from Tramp, Tampa Bay, who is you know, was good, 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 and then not very good suddenly. Um, so I, they got a weird bullpen. Their rotation is, I don't think you two, if you haven't looked, if you haven't looked at what it is, I don't think you can name any of the other three starting pitchers in that rotation behind Wheeler and Nola. I have it up in front of me so that I could name them, but could you still, <laughs> even with it in front of you, could you away, tell which of the pitchers are the starters? So here, Sean. All right. So you have it in front of you, scroll off the page and then we'll give you 20 seconds and then see if you can remember all three of them. 
And then we'll ask TJ when you say names. Yo, if you want, Sean, you could say four names. One of them will be fake. And then we'll see if TJ can pick out which one is not the real, not a real person. All right. So let's go. All right. Kyle Gibson. Ranger Suarez. Jason Reeve and Zach Elfin. And I'm guessing which one of those is fake? Which one of those is fake? Jason Reeve. That is it was Jason Reeve. (laughs) There we go. Jason Reeve. He's a real guy, he's just not He's, well, he's, I thought it was Jason Shreve. Yeah, Shreve. Jason Shreve. So I, I did think that was a really subtle fake one. And he just he took off SH. Um, yeah, I mean, Elfin might be right. Uh, the funny one is Fangraph's roster resource. Instead of Zach Elfin, they have Bailey Falter as the fifth pitcher. I good have, name for a pitcher to be Falter. No idea who that is. Yeah. But like Ranger Suarez and uh, Gibson and uh, Eflin oh, all had Eflin. Yeah. nice uh, years last year, but none of them are good. <laughs> like, there's no reason to expect them to be good again, right? Oh uh, yeah, especially well, with like, Elfin, the tire fire of a defense. Yeah, Eflin, 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 Eflin had yeah. knee surgery last September. Okay. So that's like why Ranger Suarez had why... like a three at four season last year, but he also like had the luckiest oh, yeah. of all time. So, I mean, good luck with, so oh, we, we never actually add, said who they added in Nick Castellanos and our favorite Kyle Schwarber. Uh, so they got a slight step ahead of the Nats in big dinger boys race by, you know, they have Schwarber, Castellanos, Harper, Real Muto and Hoskins that sadly only have Bell, Cruz, and Soto. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I'm hoping they give up a thousand runs a game. But Kyle Schwarber in Citizens Bank Park could be real fun. Oh, yeah. No, that'll be – it's going to be like the Angels. You're just, they're going to score a million runs and lose by lose six every game. In the ninth inning, because they give up a six-run ninth, blowing through four different relievers trying to get out of there, you know. So you'll watch every Phillies game will be like that one Nats Mets game in September 2019. So the Phillies will just keep getting up eight to nothing, and then desperately trying not to lose nine to eight. Yeah, blow it. So that that'll be. Uh, if that actually is how it plays, you know, if it plays out the way we expect the season, it might actually garner some sympathy for Phillies fans having to try to watch that night after night. Impossible. This is penance. So uh, I'm looking at the MLB free agent and hot stove tracker on MLB.com. Mm-hmm. And they still have Trevor story status as qualifying offer rejected. <laughs> Interesting. Maybe Did he sign like two yet? days ago? Yeah, so I guess they're. I think that one went official. I know, like the Korea one took a couple days after it was announced to go official. But I thought maybe Story hasn't yet. They might have had some sort of backup um, 
because I thought it was weird. Correa is definitely like he was announced, and then it was like a day and a half later they finally said like official Carlos Correa signed. Weird. Um, yeah, it's some of the Nats updated ones, on his player page either. Yeah, some of the Nats ones have taken a while as well. Like Cruz, it took almost like a week between when. Yeah, because they, they, had, they uh, had to make the move for Doolittle the day of to put him on, and then Cruz like still hadn't been announced yet. And it was, yeah, yeah, it was straight up a week later. So it was very weird. So yeah, there, there might just be something going on with the having spring training and the compressed, you know, and the off season on top of each other like this. Uh, I mean, they might just be slow in processing certain things that you know have to be done to allow a contract to become official. Um, Especially because I know like the collective bargaining agreement gives them like a fairly standard contract, but I believe most players can't have, there's like some wiggle room on some of the clauses you can have added in or taken out. But then if you do that kind of customization, then that has to be, you know, and and if you have opt-outs like Carlos Correa, I think does uh, a story might, I don't remember. Um, All of that then has to be approved by the league office uh, to make sure you're giving them a compliant contract. So yeah, Stores uh, has a unique, like, he can opt out, I think, after five years, but then the Red Sox can opt back in for, like, a higher salary, and he also gets the buyout. So it's like hmm. he essentially can take $5 million and walk after, but they can get him back for 25 plus the five buyout, so essentially back for yeah. $30 million. Of course, so I could definitely say something like watch. that, you know, you know, one with so many things going on at the same time. Yeah. Uh, that they have to review, but then also with the new CBA rules, you know, if it's unique things like that, they might have to be, you know, you don't have them memorized as well. You might be taking more time to really go through and make sure, like, oh, let's not say this is an approved contract, and then somebody comes back and says, no, that you can't do that under the CBA. We actually outlawed that perk or just like yesterday. I was going to say, speaking of not being <laughs> yeah. able to do that. <laughs> How NHL, ridiculous! Yeah. So if you don't follow hockey, uh, was it is if Genny Dadenoff mm-hmm. yeah. um, was traded last summer from the Ottawa Senators to the Vegas Golden Knights in a fairly pan trade? I don't think people thought it would work at the time. Uh, Dadenoff also has a really huge uh, cap hit with his contract salary cap hit, uh, and so Vegas, because they have a lot of very expensive players and are right up against the salary cap and are starting to struggle and have some guys on, you know, they're staying under the cap because they're keeping guys on IR and would like to take those guys off of IR so that they can help them not miss the playoffs. Tried to trade Dadanoff again uh, a couple of days ago, right on the trade deadline for the NHL, I think to the San Jose Sharks. No, the Ducks. The, uh, Ducks, oh, the yeah. Ducks. All right. I knew it was one of the California teams, uh, but apparently that was a team that had been put on Dadanoff's no trade list right before the senators sent him to Vegas, but Vegas somehow managed to never get the updated list either from the player, his agent or the senators. Uh, so they didn't know that the ducks had been added to it uh, and tried to t- trade him to the ducks. And then that said, no, you can't trade me to the ducks. Uh, and then they had an argument that lasted long enough that they're now past the trade deadline. The deal has been voided and, they can't trade him somewhere else. So really great work on their part. So I'm sure they're going to go 
that, that shows the importance of why some of these contracts it, it takes a little bit longer to to get that official announcement <laughs> you want to make sure somebody didn't sign something bad you don't want to be that team no um and then the the last team we need to talk about in the division uh we've already talked about some being the new york mets <clears throat> they signed one max scherzer uh prior to the lockout uh they lose marcus stroman they brought in mark canna lose noah Sendegard. who went to the angels he did they have a pitcher <laughs> that's true if he's hel- if he can pitch if he's healthy yeah really uh yeah let dallin tances go let michael conforto go which i still don't understand why they haven't brought him back at this point he they want him to beg. He has to go through the supplicant door, like uh, in The Simpsons. Then they give him the plague or plaque. He has to go directly to Steve and just grovel. Yeah, pretty much. Good. It's weird. Like I just look at that team and I'm like, they spent a lot of money. Is this team good? It's no. Nine. It it definitely looks like one of those people who like they bought a house slightly over like a. First try, first time flipper. It's like, all right, I bought this house, eight hundred thousand dollars. I put in another one hundred thousand dollars, and then you walk in, and the layout is still pretty bad. You know, they've just made the appliances a little shinier. They painted all the walls flipper gray. Uh, you know, they added like slightly nicer faucets and shit. And they're like, all right, <laughs> now time to get. It's like one. Where did this money? Where did the money go? I don't. I don't understand. You're telling me there's this budget, but I'm not seeing it here. And then two, I don't know why you think three months later you're going to get so much more money for this house when you've barely done anything. So it looks like they're following the Dan Snyder method of just like I'm going to build a fantasy team and it'll work. Yeah. I mean, they're counting on Carlos Carrasco to throw, you know, 190 innings this year. That that'll work. Well, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I hope it that. does. Like but what TJ said, it's like well, you have Syndergaard out, Stroman out, Scherzer in. You did basic math. So, well, there's one starter missing there. Yeah. Well, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Max Scherzer, but he. Did not become the most reliable person when it came to the postseason and getting towards the end of a season. Um, that is typically where almost been banged up too. Yeah, at the end of the years. Yeah. So I mean, you you may win a division, but you may be in rough shape going into a wild card or divisional round. Right. And I don't know that you really oh, want see Carlos- Tyler McGill. <laughs> I don't know that you want Carlos Carrasco and Taiwan Walker being your one-two going into any matchup. Or Joey Lecchese. <laughs> no, I think that is kind of disappointing from a Nats fan perspective. Uh, I think all three of those teams have pretty obvious weaknesses, even if they're going for it harder than the Nats are now. But you, you definitely could have seen a better argument for getting guys, you know, you know, like you did with Cruz and Doolittle, just keep doing that, bring in somebody like Tyler Clippard. Uh, somebody like Jonathan VR or Solaire or you know in the corner outfield or bring back bring Schwarber back. Uh, although Schwarber ended up signing for way too much, so yeah. probably not him. Yeah. But 
yeah, it, there were people out there that were a little bit more. It's kind of like if you look at what the Cubs did this offseason, uh, where they brought in Stroman uh, and a couple other. I can't, I can't remember who their other bigger signing was. Um, but they brought in. Yeah, Saya Suzuki. That's true. Um, but yeah, they brought in more of pieces that could be potentially long term, but also those short term guys, uh, especially with the Nats, with your still not putting Luis Garcia at shortstop and you have no shortstops besides Antuna, who is not somebody you should be like counting on to show up anytime ever, let alone soon. Um, it is weird that there were so many free agent shortstops and they didn't really make a play for any of them. Yeah. Uh, they were that. not connected at all. Well, and yeah. next year, I mean, Trey Turner is really the name that's on the list. And you're getting rid of the shift, so you're going to need an actual shortstop at that position. Mm-hmm. He's going to get paid, and he's going to get paid a lot, and he's going to be 30 going into that deal. <laughs> right. Well, uh, he will get probably Correa will most likely opt out and be back. He'll be there True, too. He does have an opt out this year, doesn't he? And Bogarts as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's still. Are they going to be in on one of those big three guys? And also, that's Bogarts and Trey will both be on the wrong side of 30 as a shortstop. Well, and that's that's the frustrating part is you could even see a play where, okay, they don't address shortstop this year. Got it. No problem. But O'Hara, just like what you're saying, like they go out after the Cubs or like what the Cubs did, you get a piece mm-hmm. that fits in a little more long term. The rest of it's kind of just pieces, and you see what happens. You see where the chips go. Eh, it doesn't work out. You move on from the one-year pieces, the trade deadline, get a couple of things back, and then try again in free agency again. Again, bringing in one more piece and seeing if you can then work it out. Or if the chips fall correctly, that, hey, we can get a couple of pieces in and fill a couple of holes, and you're in good shape. But And it's actually a little concerning to me there because I'm like, does that mean that Rizzo doesn't think this is going to be a quicker turnaround and that if not, you know, all the moves that we made at the deadline last year were for close to major league guys. And if he doesn't think that those guys are going to be impact guys, are we going to be able to have a team useful team by the time Soto is about to walk? So I really hope that that's not the problem. If we don't have a competitive team next year, because Soto's a free agent the year after, like, after right. the following year, right? So after 24, right? Yeah. Yeah. If we don't have a competitive team next year, he's not sticking around. So, Like he's not at the very least, he will no longer have extension discussions. Yeah. And it will uh, be, yeah, a, it, you can talk to me as a free agent. Right. And then it'll be a question of, you know, how, how much will he let, the nationals try to talk to him, make a response. If he gets another offer, does he give the option to the Nats to respond to it? Or is he just, you know, Oh, that's the offer I wanted to hear. I'm going with them. Mm -hmm. So we'll have to see. So hopefully there's a better plan than what it looks to be right now (laughs) in place. Currently their plan is your brother's going to play for us. Why don't you stick around? (laughs) And here's, here's the old Dominican guy. That you might like. Maybe we could get For more of months. those if you want more Dominicans around. 
if you wanted another father figure in the clubhouse right next to you, here you go. There you go. Is that what you wanted? (laughs) So we'll see. Yikes. Um, All right. So that takes us to the division. Is there anything that's, uh, I mean, what's going on in the league in general, anything that we need to, now, I think we covered the, the you know the rules changes that they're going to put down. It's probably the big thing. Um, and Freddie Freeman's a Dodger, so fuck the Dodgers. Well, it's interesting is I don't think that everybody is like, wow, look at that roster. Uh, and I guess it's just because Freddie Freeman's a noticeable hitter. But I think technically the offense on paper was better last year uh, with Bellinger not having the worst year of all time already. Uh, so you could have projected him higher. Uh, and Corey Seager is actually probably a better hitter than Freddie Freeman. Um, Freeman has had one way better season uh, two years ago or last year, two years ago. Uh, he hit ridiculously, but otherwise uh, Freeman's a like a half step behind Corey Seager. So, you know, you didn't have the DH and that's what's also doing a lot of the lifting is it's like, well, look at this lineup. You know, we have Max Muncy and Freddie Freeman, uh, where you wouldn't have had that option before to fit necessarily all those kinds of guys together. Right. Um, but it, it, it is definitely funny. You know, I think it's just taking another team's star since Corey Seager was homegrown. And now you're doing it again. It's like, well, we took Trey Turner and now we took, and we took Mookie Betts and now we've taken Freddie Freeman. It's just like, oh, come on. <laughs> And if Cody Bellinger can do anything, yeah, literally anything. That remains to be seen, though. And if AJ Pollock can stay on the field. It also remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is funny. I looked at this roster, and there are multiple guys where it's like, man, that would be great if... Yeah. No, and Justin Turner has definitely been getting dicier mm-hmm. uh, in terms of staying on the field. So, yeah. you know, as Nats fans know, Trey Turner is like one for seven in actually playing a full season. Yeah. He's good for what? Six weeks on the IL. Yeah. So <laughs> for some, you know, they could have a little bit of injury. trouble. Um, the giants haven't done that much to push them. The Padres could push them though. Uh, the Rockies have Chris Bryant, and nothing else. So who knows what that, I don't think that will help them too much, but no. Uh, Padres losing. Um, his name just fell out. Oh, yeah, yes. Junior to the motorcycle, to a mo- motorcycle incident. Mm-hmm. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> that was a bold strategy. Uh-huh. Yes, it was. The, the one that was the worst one, apparently. <laughs> uh, does does Trevor Bauer pitch this year? I hope not, but probably. Let me rephrase that. Does he pitch for the Dodgers this year? I think so. I, I don't. The Dodgers didn't put up that much of a. It sounded like the clubhouse wasn't yeah. pleased with him. That's definitely possible. Shocker. I mean, it's also, this is a clubhouse that, you know, hated Yasiel Puig um, for 
you know, who now has also has similar allegations against him. But at the time was mostly they just kind of hated him because he was annoying in some ways. Uh, although that, so, you know, Bauer can definitely rub people the wrong way, just personality wise, let alone, you know, what he's been accused of. So I could see that. Um, but you never know for sure. Baseball players, a lot of athletes kind of have short memories yeah. uh, on things like this, which is not good, but it is kind of what happens. So I mean, we're already seeing in the NFL where Deshaun Watson was in this big trade to Cleveland and uh, got this giant guaranteed contract with really cynically pays him no money in the first year because they know he's going to be suspended for it. <laughs> and so it doesn't count against the cap. So with 22 outstanding civil cases. <laughs> Yeah, so it's absurd. That's pretty bad. Yeah, I, I think MLB, if they wanted to, and the Dodgers, if they wanted to, they can get away with you know both the case, the civil and the criminal cases against Bauer being closed, um, without necessarily finding him guilty of something, but not also also not really absolving him either. It just kind of was just like the civil case is kind of this you can't really resolve things this way and then the criminal case you know they just as pretty often with sexual assault if there's not a lot of very obvious easy evidence yeah. the cops you know prosecutors don't really bother going after it that hard so yeah no it'll be interesting to see how mlb goes about it mm-hmm. if it is like out in front of everybody he's getting x amount of games or y amount of games or if it's just kind of like slid in under the wire and they try and make as little deal about it as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's definitely <clears throat> interesting that they've pushed it off again by both agreeing to keep him on the, uh, whatever list it is. That's like, list. yeah. Restricted list. Or yeah. Not, not the restricted list. It's the ineligible the restricted list. list. You don't get paid. Yes. Yeah, yeah, ineligible something list or something like that. like that. Um, into the season. Uh, Oh, we got pushed know, back so, that bar. Yeah, I think it's like the middle of April now. Okay. So it's only like a week or two. But Yeah, I think they're just going to kick kick it down the uh kick the can as long as they can without making a decision and then try to slip it under the radar at some point. So, I I think it's hard, you know. It, it but that's interesting to me that it seems like the players association still is not putting up a really strong fight for him mm-hmm. uh that you might have expected. So yeah. yeah, we'll have to see, but yeah. tough situation. All right. I'm trying to see what's on anything else that's come out here in the last couple of hours. Joey Gallo avoids uh, arbitration. Whew. Yeah, I don't think anything interesting. Bell, avoided arbitration, so to avoid arbitration. I think we talked about that already, though. Yeah. It is going to be crazy this year with if, that they're having ARB uh, hearings during the season, though. Yeah. Apparently that was weird. a big deal in 94. Uh, so. Oh, uh, Sean, impacts yes. of no Rule 5 draft. Anything of, like, one way or the other? 
I mean, it's all, it's always relatively a crapshoot. I mean, there were, there's always some interesting guys. Usually the guys that pan out, half of them were on a list of interesting guys and half of them came out of nowhere. But I mean, it kind of, it kind of hurts the Nats a little bit compared to normal years because they would have been able to take a flyer in some guys, but at the same time, they don't like to pick guys in the rule five draft, even when they were bad, they didn't. So except Brian project. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, a lot of those were even like the previous, uh, you know, like your Tony Blanco's and uh, mm-hmm. Val Spikner, those, those crew. But I mean, yeah. usually it's like you, you try to find a semi useful relief pitcher, but I mean, oh, well, no, I, it, I think, yeah, you're right, Sean. They're in the situation that they could have signed and kept somebody without worrying too much. But, you know, we've also seen like guys um, for the Nationals who picked by the Marlins, um, the pitcher, what's his name? Because I can only think of Sixto Sanchez, and that's not his name. Sevento Sanchez. <laughs> no, who is, uh, shoot, Sterling Sharp. Oh yeah, uh, was, tra- was drafted in the Rule Five by the Marlins a couple of years ago when the Marlins were really bad and they had him in, a, in their rotation, and they weren't going anywhere. He wasn't doing that well, and they returned him because they were just like, well, you know, even though it doesn't matter, it's not costing us anything to let him keep going badly. We want to look at other options instead. So, yeah. you know, Rule Five with the way rosters are now, they're very few it's a very small handful of interesting players and then even if you're in a good situation to keep them yeah. you still might not so it's really just like try to raid the rays and the yankees of you know yeah. all of their toolsy guys that they tried to slid under the radar um question do you think the nats are done at this point or could you see them yes. going after any of these remaining Conforto, Tommy Pham, Johnny Cueto type. But they're not going to do Conforto because he has a qualifying offer mm. um, unless he gets past whatever time in spring. Uh, but then if he does, I think there'll be other teams more interesting to him that would come calling uh, once the qualifying offer period has expired. Um, Pham could be interesting, though. I mean, they could use another outfielder, and he's a guy that they could bring on and flip. You know, he's not going to be expensive. Yeah, so I, I, I can see something like that. Yeah. Yeah. If he's still around closer to the end of spring and if they're not feeling either Thomas or Robles, you know, they don't want to necessarily run with that plan of both of them starting, uh, you know, and having guaranteed spots. If they want to bring in another person to take one of those spots in the corner outfield and then you let them just kind of work together in center field, then I could see that. But yeah, otherwise, I don't think they're really in the market anymore. Okay. All right. I think we have covered just about all that we're going to cover. Um, let's look at the calendar. Opening day is two weeks away. Exciting. So my thought so is soon. we'll do this again here in about two weeks, just before opening day. And maybe we'll have a new outfielder or maybe we'll <laughs> have the same lineup we currently have. I really enjoy how we scheduled this a week ago. We were like, yeah, I don't know that we can really stretch Nelson Cruz and Sean Doolittle. And here we are. Well, it did look dicey for a minute there. We got through a lot of topics in the first 20 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Luckily there were finally found some interesting things to talk about later. (laughs) So we'll see. Hopefully, yeah, there'll, there'll be 
we'll probably have the final roster. We'll be close to it based on the cuts. They'll give us an interesting idea. Uh, you know, like one of the fun, Oh, one of the things we had mentioned, but you know, probably nothing, but Kate Cavalli was not in the first round of cuts today. Mm. So, uh, like I said, probably nothing. You're probably not going to keep him up, uh, especially because we want to keep his innings managed. Uh, but he is still around for now. And a lot of the other guys kind of at his level expectations have, were all sent down. So, all right. At least we're letting him stick around for a little bit longer. Uh, I think with that, that's officially all the news that has happened. Yeah, because he's he's thrown what three innings in spring so far. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Probably. I think they just want to see him one more time, and then yeah, get another appearance, and then send him down. That makes sense. All right, then uh, we will talk to you all in two weeks. Until then, we are ghosts.